Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class, a Bible study for those who cannot be with us at the church building on Sunday mornings at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, but also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. So Sunday morning Bible class, we want you to be able to get into God's word on a regular and consistent and continual basis. Being in God's word is pivotal to developing and then growing your faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We want to help you along that journey. We want to help you get to heaven. We take this ministry reaching out on such a widespread basis by the means of the internet as these podcasts are broadcast all around the world. We take this very seriously. We want to focus on teaching God's word and thereby helping people to develop and grow in their faith and thereby come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness of their sins and eternal life through Christ. This world is not where it's at, ultimately. This world is a temporary reside. We should be looking toward an eternal home in heaven, and that is we are guided to that home through God's word. It is so important for us to study God's word regularly, consistently, continually. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life, probably some within your own family, who need to turn their lives around. They need to refocus. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God, about their souls, about eternity. Help them by sharing these studies. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But make up your mind and make that commitment. And today, start to share these studies with them. Your family members, your friends, your work associates, everybody you can. What a great blessing for somebody to get to heaven because you helped get them on the path leading to that ultimate eternal destination by getting them into God's word through these studies. But that will also be a great blessing for you. Now, we also encourage you to encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button. Click on that. Sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's a computer, a laptop, a pad, a tablet, or their smartphone. Automatically, they'll receive all of our studies that we podcast. Now, that would include our Sunday morning Bible class, but also our Wednesday night Bible class. And it would include all of our sermons and a great daily seven-day-a-week short Bible study that gets us into God's Word for just about 13 minutes every day called Today's Bible Class. And five days a week, our radio program, Search the Scriptures. Great opportunity for people to be able to receive those and then tune in, pull them up, and listen 
while they're going about their busy chores during the day or on a lunch break or a coffee break or driving to or from work or to and from the grocery store or whatever the opportunity might be, but they're in God's word and that's helping them grow spiritually. Share with people, help them along these lines. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and worship and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. And you can contact us through our website, again, at churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link. You can contact us that way. Or you can phone us at 402-498-8397. Bible classes begin at 9.30 each Sunday morning. Worship at 10.30. Midweek Bible classes at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. If you're in the Omaha area, we hope to see you. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. Exodus. We're in chapter, we're going to begin chapter 13. Now, by this point, we have gone through the ten plagues. If you go all the way back to the beginning of Exodus... And again, you're looking at an interim period of about 400 years between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. You have about 70 or 70-some souls who are descendants of Jacob, and they would include uh, certainly Joseph and his family, but but Jacob and all of his sons and all of their families. They come into the land of Egypt to escape the famine. They're, They're given the land of Goshen, to grow in, to live in, well, they stay about 400 years. And in that time, they grow into a basically a nation living within the borders of the nation of Egypt. About two or three million people, probably, when you talk about men, women, and children. Now, by the time you get to Exodus chapter 1, 400 years after they have first been given that home in Egypt, things have changed. First, they have grown to be that mighty populace of people. They're not Egyptians, even though they have lived there and their generations for 400 years, they're not Egyptians, they're Israelites. And the Pharaoh, who is in power at the beginning of Exodus, he sees them as a potential threat as a potential enemy living within the boundaries of his own kingdom. And his fear is that they could actually become allies of some foreign power who wants to conquer Egypt and fight against Egypt from within. Well, he makes slaves out of them, basically, and makes it hard on them, and their cries go up to God. God hears their prayers, and he sends Moses as the deliverer to lead them out of Egypt and to the promised land, the land that God promised to Abraham's descendants, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Now, God knows the right time to fulfill his prophecies and promises. We think, and you're not talking about just 400 years, you're talking about a whole lot of more hundreds of years beyond that between God's promise to Abraham and God sending Moses to lead the Israelites to the promised land, actually lead them to that promised land. 
Well, but God knows the right time. We, 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 think we want things right now. God knows the right time. When Moses comes to face Pharaoh and tell him, God wants you to let his people go so they can worship him. Pharaoh says no, repeatedly. Pharaoh is an idol worshiper. Almost all of the population of the rest of the world is at, are, are worship idols. Pharaoh may not have even heard about the true God, but God is going to demonstrate his power through Moses, through a series of plagues. First, he, told, he, he enabled Moses to perform some miracles before Pharaoh to demonstrate that Moses was not there on his own, that he was there as an emissary from God on a mission given to him or commissioned by God. Pharaoh did not believe in God. He kept saying no. Ten plagues were brought upon the people of Egypt by God, again, to emphasize, to demonstrate in a very graphic, visual aid fashion that Moses was not there on his own. Moses was there by God's instruction. And the power of God was behind everything he was telling Pharaoh and what he was there to do. Ten plagues, the last of which we read about in Exodus chapter 12 was the death of the firstborn of all of the Egyptians, all of the Egyptians. And at the end of that particular night, when the firstborn of all of the Egyptians died, Pharaoh sent Moses and all of those Israelites out of his land. And thus, the title of the book, Exodus, Departing, the idea of leaving, leaving the land of Egypt and heading toward the promised land of Canaan. Well, we know, looking ahead, they would not get there for about another 40 years because they'd have some problems with their own faith. But they're leaving Egypt. Now, Chapter 13, the Passover meal has been instituted by God, God giving Moses instructions as to what the Passover would be about, what they would eat, how the food would be prepared, how they would dress, and even their physical posture as they ate that meal. They would be dressed ready to travel. They would eat standing up because by the next morning, they would be traveling. Pharaoh would be driving them out of the land. They'd be on their way to the promised land. Chapter 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Interesting. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In other words, remember, you were slaves. Remember this day when God set you free. Now, I know Pharaoh is the one who told them to go. But that was by God's impressive judgments brought upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. 
So, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day, you are going out. In the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you. Now this, God promised this very land, the land of Canaan, way back, hundreds and hundreds of years before. Now it's time to bring them into that land, to fulfill that promise and prophecy. A land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. Unleavened bread for seven days. Don't even have the leavening in your house in other words. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. Now they were to remember this day when they were delivered by God through his power, working through Moses, but by God's power, delivered from bondage, from slavery in Egypt. They were to remember this. They were to teach this to their children Every year, they were to remember what God did for them, delivering them from Egyptian bondage through this particular meal, through these seven days of eating unleavened bread. It shall be a sign to you on your hand as, and as a memorial between your eyes that the, Lord, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt." The Lord brought you out of Egypt. You didn't do it yourselves. The Lord brought you out of Egypt. And therefore, you shall keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. How important it is for parents to teach their children continuously about God. And how tragic it is that so many parents fail to do that either at all or fail to do that effectively on a consistent basis. You might think what the Israelites went through here, the mighty wonders that the adults and even the children saw through God's judgments upon the Egyptians within the land, through those ten plagues, the water turning to blood, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the death, disease and death of so many of the livestock, the locusts, the hail, the death of the firstborn. You might think they will be so impressed, they will be so diligent, so faithful to teach their children and teach their children to teach their children and on down through the generations. They'll always remember God. But it would not take very long. Once they entered the land of Canaan, once God blessed them conquering that land, it would not take them very long 
to forget about God. And I believe that we can conclude logically that a lot of the reasoning for that was that the parents eventually, some generations down the road, were not diligent enough in teaching their children about God. You might say, well, shouldn't the, shouldn't the children have known? How important was it for the children? You see, it's even more important for the parents to teach the children and teach their children to teach their children and on down through the generations because you see within a couple of generations or so that next generation of children will not have been there to see those miracles, to see those judgments, to see the waters of the Red Sea part, to see the Egyptian army pursuing them to be destroyed by the power of God. They will not have been there to see God giving them the victory after victory after victory as they conquered the land of Canaan, the promised land. So it becomes even more important for the parents to keep teaching their children about God and what he has done for us, what he has done for you. So God tells Moses, you tell the people, you teach the people, basically you command the people to keep this feast every year on this particular day of this particular month to remember when I led them out of Egypt, out of Egypt, led them out of slavery. Verse 11, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you. In other words, God was going to give them that land. Now they would have to fight battles, but God was going to give them the victories that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes forth from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Well, what does God mean by this? The firstborn of all the livestock? What does God mean? Going to be the Lord's? But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it would be not just the livestock, but also their children, the children of the Israelites. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you shall say to him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast, or all the livestock, in other words. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males, and o- all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So going to sacrifice all of the livestock, basically, the cattle, the sheep, to God, the firstborn of all of those flocks and herds shall be sacrificed to God in worship to him. But the children of the Israelites, the firstborn, 
they shall be redeemed. And again, in a special way. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. The children were to be taught on a continual basis what God had done for their people when he led them out of Egyptian bondage. Verse 17, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now God's wisdom was in play here as he led the people of Israel to the promised land. There was a closer route, shorter route that he could have led them. But they were probably going to have to fight battles along the way. And he did not want them to lose heart, to become discouraged and say, um, let's just go back to Egypt where we won't have to fight wars. Now they were going to suffer in their faith mightily along the way. But God was trying to sort of temper the way for them, buffer it, so to speak. So he decided to lead them by a different route wherein they might not have to fight any battles. Verse 18, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. It's interesting how at an initial moment when things seem to be all of a sudden so great, we have such a positive mindset. We're thankful. We may even praise God. We may pray to him regularly, thanking him for the blessing. But a little, where, a little ways down the road, we start hitting some bumps in the road and we start becoming discouraged. We forget about what God did for us. And we even start forgetting about God, perhaps, to a great extent in our lives. So they took the journey. I'm also going back to verse 19. And this was something that Joseph told the people to do when he would die. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Now, we're talking about over 400 years before. Joseph died in, Is in Egypt. He was second in command behind Pharaoh, that Pharaoh of that day. But Joseph was basically foretelling, prophesying from God's guidance that God would deliver them one day from Egypt. And, and Joseph says, you take my bones with you when you go. And so verse 19 of Exodus chapter 13, Moses did that. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Verse 20, so they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day and in a pillar of cloud 
to lead them to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night now that's an incredible statement there a, a bit of a, a detail that we might overlook or might kind of forget about god he demonstrated in a visual way his presence with them on their way to the promised land. There would be, he would present himself or his presence there with them through a pillar of cloud during the day. And as that cloud would move, that would be instruction, guidance for the people to move with that cloud, to go in whatever direction it was going. At night, it would be a pillar of fire to give them light. And so, again, God's presence visually displayed for them, helping them to be assured that God was with them and was not leaving them alone and on their own. Last verse of chapter 13, verse 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. In other words, it was always there while they were on this journey. Now that's interesting because ultimately, (laughs) because of the lack of faith or the weakness of faith in so many of the Israelites, they would end up spending about 40 years on this journey. It should only have taken them a very short time to get to the promised land. But they were going to struggle mightily with their faith. And so the adult generations would die out in the wilderness. God would lead them basically kind of, if you look at the map of the different geographic areas that they would go it looks like kind of a big circle and he was just leading them through about 40 years letting those adult generations most of whom demonstrated weakness in their faith and faithfulness to God while they were going through the wilderness toward the promised land letting that generation those generations die out in the wilderness and raising up the children to become the adult generations that God would ultimately lead into the promised land. Hmm. Marvelous. Mighty. My, my. How much we have to learn from these accounts. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for blessing us so much. And thank you, Father, for these tremendous graphic accounts of your work in people's lives. Help us to learn from them and help us to have strong faith as we learn and to always live in faithful obedience, dedicated, determined before you and to teach our children continuously and effectively to be faithful to you and about all that you have done for humanity, as well as us individually. 
Please, Father, forgive us of our sins, gracious God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.